Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Well, here at Meadowbrook Church, we don't just stand as a church on our own. We are part of a broader family of churches called the Canadian Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches. That's our national uh, denomination. And there is a provincial branch of that called the Ontario Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches. And one of the things that the Ontario Conference does is uh, it is part of a camp called Camp Crossroads, which you've heard us talk about before. Camp Crossroads is located up in Muskoka, just a beautiful piece of land, a beautiful setting up there. I know many of you will have had uh, warm memories growing up there and, and bringing your kids there maybe now. And so we partner with Camp Crossroads. It's one of the ministries that we support. And usually once a year, uh, we have someone from camp in to share a little bit about what's going on at camp just to keep us updated. And it really is an incredible place. And after the service, uh, you might have seen it on your way in. There's a table outside that has some brochures there for just what's coming up in terms of the different camps that they're offering. And Andrew will talk a little bit more about that as well this morning. But uh, I'll be there this year. I'll be preaching a week of family camp. And I haven't been able to do that for a few years. My kids are so excited to be going back because they remember how incredible this place was. And so it really is an awesome place. And so you might remember we've had Ed Heinrichs here for a number of years. He would come usually around this time of year. He was the executive director uh, last year. You might remember he mentioned that this would be the last time that we would see him as executive director because he was stepping down from the role. And as Ed was executive director, Andrew Hebert was the director of operations. He was making sure the camp ran well. And then when Ed stepped down from the role, Andrew was chosen to step into the role. So Andrew is the new executive director of the camp. And he's going to share with us a little bit about about what's going on at camp, as well as a word that God has put in his heart for us. So would you please welcome Andrew Hebert as he comes to share this morning. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Meadowbrook, for such a warm welcome. Uh, I really have felt um, a warm welcome. And um, uh, my, what I want to share later from, the, from God's word is, is about encouragement and about support and coming alongside someone. And, and someone in uh, the, the previous service just came up to me afterwards and just gave me a real word of encouragement for my family. And then I'm going to pass on to them uh, about uh, some things that God was doing uh, back in the day, right? And uh, we all have opportunities to be a part of others, um, to help uh, write that story and to be part of God's story in our own lives where we come together in community and, and share with one another and encourage each other. Um, but before I get into that, I just wanted to give a uh, a quick uh, update of kind of what's going on, five and a half hours. I mean, yesterday it was close to, uh, you know, whatever that was, five and a half hours plus. I am so impressed on you guys for making that trip uh, up or down or back and forth. And uh, some of your congregation has come up multiple times in the last couple years. And uh, so thank you um, for coming and serving, fixing, supporting, cooking, sending your kids, entrusting your kids to us or your family, it really is a privilege to serve you. And that's really what we're hoping to be, committed to be about, and, and really is we're positioned to serve the church. And that's why we exist. And I can't think of any more exciting reason uh, to be operating a camp. Up in Muskoka, there's a dime a dozen camps, and uh, a lot of them are phenomenal camps. And uh, we at our camp, Camp Crossroads, our ministry is to be a Christ-supported or Christ-centered uh, uh, camp to support churches 
in what they're doing and what you're doing in making disciples and developing leaders. And for however long we have campers or staff or you as a church family, we wanna be pointing you and others to the life-changing message of Jesus. And I know that's what you guys do here in such a vibrant way. Um, I had the chance to just kind of look at your website. I was like, okay, it's been a long time since I've been here. What's going on at Meadowbrook? And it was really exciting. You know, you guys have just come through a week of prayer. At the beginning of the week, Chris uh, emailed me and say, hey, we're praying for you. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. So thank you so much for doing that. So from one, uh, in one sense, church body or lay ministry to you guys as a church, uh, we love you guys and we are so grateful to be a part of what you're doing. My wife couldn't be here with me today. Christine, she is helping support uh, our staff team as they minister to 143 junior youth that are up at camp right now. And so I'm sure there was all kinds of things that she was kind of helping bring support. And it's really exciting to just be a part of a ministry where we get to be um, hanging out with junior high kids or senior high kids or family or whatever that looks like. So just to give you a picture, um, the next, this weekend and the next four weekends after that, we'll see about 600 people um, come through camp and there's two junior high retreats, there's two senior high retreats and then a family camp. So it's like an all-inclusive on the family day weekend. And uh, so for this weekend and the next three, um, our goal is to support the churches that are coming and bringing their youth and we look after all the planning, all the logistics, the food, the program, bringing in the speaker, the activities, so that youth leaders and pastors come with their kids and they pour into them and walk alongside them. And if there's any decisions that are made, what I love about these weekends is the, the follow-up is built right in. So the kids go back home with their leaders, their pastors, and then the work just continues. So it's such a, a real privilege to be a part of church ministry to help support churches in what God has already given you guys to do. And then we have uh, church rentals, so churches wanna rent our facility and we can operate in any number of ways. We provide the beds, the kitchen, the programming, or if a church just wants to run stuff on their own, we provide some host uh, people just to make sure that you've got what you need. And then um, in the summer, uh, we run a, a bunch of other things. So just kind of a highlight from this past year, we had 25 rental groups. Uh, we had a total of 1,673 people come through for just people that want to rent our facility, and that's primarily churches. So it's really exciting to support churches in their ministry. Uh, we create and run camp-sponsored retreats. So we have a dads and kids fishing retreat. Uh, we have a couple ladies retreats, a men's retreat, a youth leaders retreat and um, a few others that uh, a special needs retreat where people come up and um, we just welcome them and, and walk them through the weekend, right? And uh, really exciting to be a part of that. And then um, still the heart of what we do is primarily in the summer. So we have six weeks of overnight uh, camps. Each week is a different age group. Kids come on a Sunday. They spend all week with us. So thank you for entrusting your kids to us. Um, and, uh, and then they go home on the Saturday morning. And we, everything from wakeboard water skiing to horseback riding to arts and crafts, canoeing, archery, outdoor adventure, drama, you know, the list, there's a bit of a few things. So it is so exciting to see and be a part of the life 
that kids and youth bring to the summer. We run five weeks of day camps, so kids from our local community. Um, some people own crazy multi-million dollar college cottages just down the road. It's Torrance where we are. It's a bit of a kind of a very extreme. People are either owning crazy cottages that they might come for two or three weeks, and then on the other side of the town, there are people that can barely make it. And uh, so in the day camp, it's awesome because we have an opportunity to speak life into these kids. And some of them, they've come and they haven't had breakfast that day. And others, they have four boats in their boat garage, right? And these kids come together and we've seen the Lord work in ways where the parents were so excited about what's happening, they started inviting our staff into their homes for, for dinner. And then they wanted to get, there as get together as families at the local park. So I was like, what is God doing? So it's really neat to just see the Lord work in different ways. Um, and we have three weeks of family camp. So that's an all-inclusive. Chris was talking about that, uh, where families can come together and we look after you. You come, you show up. You have to make sure you sit down in the dining hall and we clean up, you know, the, the dishes and we set the tables. But, you know, we basically kind of care for you in a way where we want you to be able to build into your family, have fun, doing all that crazy stuff. And we're going to show a little video in, in just a few moments about what a week of summer could look like. And hopefully this is a bit of a, a breath of fresh air. We've just had kind of a bit of a storm winter. So summer and sunny, warm is always kind of a nice thing. Um, and it takes a lot of people to run this. So, so many of you have come up, you pray for us, you come, you give. And so it took 228 staff to put together the summer. And then there's volunteers that happen in the other weekends throughout the year. And uh, it's a chance for us to disciple and pour into our staff. And then they have a chance to pour into campers, right? And to see God work in really fun ways, in exciting, stretching ways. So um, that's a little bit about camp. Um, a few exciting things coming up. Our registration for summer camp happens at the beginning of February. And there's a few new things that we're, we want to bring about. We've been working on our, our lake uh, eco aquaculture. I don't know what else to call it, but bringing back a, like a habitat for marine life because it's been deteriorating. And we've been working with the MNRF, Ministry of Natures, Natural Resources. So we put some spawning beds into place and put structure in. We've sunk stuff into our lake, all in partnerships with our community, which is really exciting. So they've donated a barge and spawning beds for fish. And we want to bring into our program a fishing program for this summer. Um, and we're really excited about the possibility. And the, um, the MNR actually um, brought back a species of fish called walleye. There's tons of them in Lake Erie. You're like, yeah, that's the, one of the best fish to eat. That's right. And so they actually dropped in um, a whack load of adult walleye, very unexpected. Uh, but they, I got a phone call in the fall, and the guy I've been working with, he's like, I didn't even know these fish existed. But I got a call from Kingston. There's a hatchery, and they need to get rid of these adult fish. And they got about another eight years of life left in them. And we were trying for years to get little fingerlings so that they could grow up and spawn and all this kind of stuff. But I can't even, I can't get a better solution, right? So they came down and we had to keep it quiet because everybody would want to fish our lake out because it's pretty small for those of you who know. But a fishing program, the walleye are in there. We're excited about what could happen. Our horse program, we want to start what's called um, Spirit Riders. So Youth Week, 
we want to be bringing in a youth program specifically for those people who want to learn about kind of animal husbandry, how to be a wrangler, and it'll be a, a, they'll be integrated into the regular aspect of Youth Week, but it's all about horses. Normally, there'll be three different activities in the day, but this year we want to focus specifically on horses for one of the activities. So our horse instructor is a vet tech, so she's developed an excellent program. Uh, so we're hoping to launch that uh, for the summer and a few other things. I could go on about some of these fun things, but uh, I need to kind of keep moving. But, but it's really a fun place. We have an excellent team. Um, I felt really good about leaving yesterday morning with 143 junior hires. You know, it's a bit crazy chaos that can happen. And uh, I talked to my wife last night, and things are going really well, and chapels are going really well, and everything's going really well. So we're really grateful. Uh, but we have a good staff team. Just want to show um, a little video clip. Uh, these guys are going to cue, and then I'll get into our message. So a little bit about summer. Hopefully, yeah, that's a bit of a bright spot for you. Um, I have to say, when I left yesterday morning, I knew kind of a little bit what I was getting into in terms of my trip down. But you don't really know, right? You, you can look on the website a thousand times, and you just don't know what you're going to experience in terms of weather or the road conditions or whatever. And uh, so I was so grateful uh, to, be, to get here safely yesterday. And, um, and it was interesting. I started out at camp. Um, I think it was about negative 20 in the morning. And uh, hopped in the car, left at 8 o'clock uh, in the morning. And I had breakfast with my, my parents in, in Aurelia. And then I saw a few things that I've never seen before. You, you just never know on a road trip, right, what you're going to see, what you're going to experience. And uh, um, along the way, the, the weather started to get a little worse. And then by Barrie, it was like, whoa, was this a good decision? Um, and uh, sometimes life is like that. You know your destination, and you kind of have a, a, a sense or a hunch, ooh, mm, that might be a bit rough, or ooh, I might need a bit more energy, or I don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, but the Lord is faithful, and I know you guys were praying, and so I get here safely, and my wife was, I know that for sure. And, and a few others, and uh, I saw a semi fully turned over right beside the road, and uh, I didn't say this in the, the previous um, uh, service, but there was a big, huge snow remover or big front-end loader, huge machine, and it was up to its axles. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, because I, I don't know who's going to pull that thing out, um, but stuff happens, right? And uh, so I made it um, all the way down here, no problem. And I talked to Jim Dukeman, where I stayed last night, Jim and Shirley, and I called it Woodstock, and I said, uh, I'm hoping to make it for supper, but I just don't know. And he's like, no problem. This is Leamington. It's actually raining here. I was like, oh, this is another world down here. Uh, but I could see the effects of the snow. And, um, and on the way here, I, I saw this uh, huge bird. I think it was, I really think it was a golden eagle. Uh, I looked up on my phone later, and it was either an immature bald eagle or a golden, but I had more markings of a golden eagle, so I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you see these things often, but I was like, that's so cool. You guys got some serious stuff around here. It's, it's really neat. Uh, and then seeing, being a part of, I took Robson Street to the Dukemans, and I wanted to see the lake and the power of those waves. It was just coming over and across the road, which I was like, hmm, some serious, serious power. Um, anyway, it's a privilege to be here, and uh, it's exciting to share a little bit about camp and what God has put on my heart. And as I began to prepare and think and pray about uh, this morning, 
what kept coming back to me on my mind and heart was encouragement and a culture of encouragement. And at first I was like, is there enough in that? Like, is there enough meat in encouragement? I want to bring something that's, you know, cheering you guys on and sharing stories and being, you know, but ultimately it was like sharing stories of encouragement. And as I began to look in scripture, I began to realize how important encouragement really is to the church, to a community of people, to individuals. And I just thought, what better way to bring um, kind of like greetings from us to you with words of encouragement. So I'm hoping and trusting that God will do that for you this morning. So let's just pray together. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity where we have to come together in community that love you and where we know we are known and loved by you. And we just give these next few minutes to you and thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories that you've given of real life examples of people that needed encouragement and where you prompted people to encourage or you just did it through your spirit. And so open our eyes and our hearts to understand, to know you, and also then to give. Give us clarity of where we might encourage others. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So where do you, where do you start? Well, a good place to start with is just taking a look at it. I'm gonna move pretty quickly through this. Um, what does the dictionary say about encouragement? And I, I thought it was really interesting. The action of giving someone support, providing help, developing something in someone. So really different kind of thoughts. And um, I don't know about you, but I can think of many times where I've been encouraged through people, through my family, through people in the church, um, just by God's word, and where it's really made a difference that day or that week. Uh, my sister, I'm from a family of six kids, and one of my sisters, she has, it really is a gift from the Lord. And she is an encourager. And she has called me numerous times out of the blue. And she just knew. She's like, I just felt like I was supposed to call you. And she is the brightest personality on the phone. And she doesn't talk long. She's just like, just wanted to say, we're praying for you as a family. Don't know what you're going through today. But Andrew, hope you have a good day. You know, hangs up. It's really like two minutes. And I'm like, Bertha, you have no idea. Thank you so much. So those promptings that God puts on our heart are there for a reason. And I'm hoping that we are brought back to this point of as a body of believers this morning. What does that look like for you as a person? Are there people in your life where God has put there specifically to encourage, to walk alongside, to lend a helping hand? And there are, there are many stories in scripture that talk specifically about this. And I thought it was a great place to start with just this definition of what does that look like? Encouraging. And I just want to kind of broaden this from um, where, where the dictionary goes. And I was listening to a message a while ago, and he was specifically speaking, this uh, preacher, teacher on encouragement. And um, so it, his thoughts, he summed it up in three things. Encouragement is an antidote to the sagging spirit, a tired faith, and a troubled heart. Mike. Mazalango, right? And um, sometimes that just happens where we need encouragement. And you might be in a, in a spot this morning where you're like, I'm good. I'm doing great. I had a great week. You know, things are good. My family, 
my work, whatever it is that's in your sphere of influence. And what an opportunity for you to give, to encourage in, in some way. Um, and you might be in a place this morning where you're like, I, I need to step back a bit because I need, there's some encouragement that's needed in my life, some healing, some brokenness, some, you know, whatever it is that might be um, in your life. A couple things I, I just wanted to, um, uh, to kind of highlight. And, and the first is sometimes I think we forget that God's heart for us in these moments or seasons where we may need encouragement. I forget. Life circumstances can start to squeeze the life out of me and, uh, or it's deflating. And um, you know, I think of a balloon. I, I can start the week, you know, full. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was, I was reminded of a few weeks ago, I started that week full. Christine and I had rented a little bunkie. Um, we went three and a half hours north of camp because we wanted to experience winter because camp had been full of rain and we just wanted to place where we were going to have some white stuff that we could use and all that kind of stuff. So we found this place three hours north of, of Crossroads. They had this little bunkie. They seemed really nice people. The price was right. And uh, so we're like, we're out of here. We're going cross-country skiing, reading our books, snowshoeing, ice fishing, whatever we wanted to do, right? Looked beautiful. On our way, they called us and they just checked in. Hey, are you guys still coming? Yeah? Well, we just had a group cancel and we want to upgrade you into uh, this cottage. And we're like, hmm, sounds really good. Because where we were, didn't have running water, didn't have, it might have electricity sometimes. This was a bunkie, like it was a 12 by... 16, I think it was, so you can imagine, 12 by 16. We wanted to be as close to the outdoors as possible. That's about as close as you're gonna get, right? Uh, had heat, but they moved us into this cottage, three bedroom, <laughs> four couches. It was like, this, this weekend's looking better and better. So that's how we started the weekend, and it was really fun. Beautiful, uh, we did all kinds of fun stuff. We got to know our hosts, they were excellent people. So we came back very refreshed. And throughout the week, I didn't realize it until Friday when Christine looked at me in the morning and she's like, are you doing okay? And I'm like, I realized that that full, imagine that full balloon was like, it's that slow leak, you can imagine it. It's that, and if you let go, it's like, right? And, uh, or it's the pop. Our lives can be popped with our life kind of gone, or it's the slow leak. And that week, for me, it was the slow, deflated process. And she looked at me in the morning. She's like, hmm, tell me about your week, because it's been pretty busy, and a few conversations at work hadn't gone like I thought, and extra stuff had come on, and I wasn't feeling the greatest. I was battling a cold. And by the end of the week, I'm sure you could identify with this. You don't even realize how you got there. And it wasn't this disastrous bad stuff that happened. It was this, this slow, kind of deflated piece. And uh, she knows me well, so she really encouraged me that day. She figured out ways, and she knows me, that really cheered me up. And by the end of the day, that balloon was built up again. And we all need that kind of thing. Encouragement takes the darkness, turns it into light, takes the cloudy, turns it to clear, takes despair, turns it into hope. Encouragement takes shame, 
and turns it into acceptance. And it goes from failure to a second chance. So I just want to look at a couple examples briefly, and then, um, and then we'll be done. The first example is found in, in Luke uh, 7, 18 to 23. And it's the story of John the Baptist um, when he's in prison. So we pick up the story. Um, Jesus has been doing all kinds of miracles in the community. And John the Baptist, he had baptized Jesus. I'm sure an incredible moment for him. Uh, an incredible day. You know, the, the story is depicted like a, like it's pretty awe-inspiring when you read it. God's expression of his love through a dove. The skies literally open up. A voice says, I am pleased with you, my son. Like, oh my goodness, this is like, whoa. So John the Baptist facilitates Jesus' baptism. And shortly after that, it says that he gets put into prison. And he never makes it out of there. He goes from there, that's his platform, into heaven. So I can't imagine what John went through in that process of like, wow, God, this is incredible to, he must increase, I must decrease. And then, um, so this is the setting. Jesus is doing all kinds of amazing things, and John's disciples are hanging out and watching. And so we're going to pick it up at uh, Luke 7, 18. Um, and it says this. The disciples of John reported all these things, so the healings, etc. And Jesus had just raised a man from the dead. He reported, they reported these things uh, to John. And John, calling two of his disciples to him in prison, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? John was having second thoughts. Who wouldn't? Tough place to be in prison. Did I make the right choice? Is Jesus the Messiah? Did I baptize the right guy? Hey guys, can you help me? Go ask him. And so they went and they came to Jesus and they asked, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, um, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one? Should we look for another? In that hour, uh, Jesus healed many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered John's disciples, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news. Preach to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What a glass of, like, refreshment when John must have heard back from his disciples about this is Jesus, the promised one. I can't imagine how encouraged he would have felt. And Jesus could have been just the opposite. I can't believe John is doubting me. I can't believe John is having a hard time. You know, in our world, that's a big response. That's how people respond. Where's your loyalty? What happened? How could you so quickly... That's not Jesus' response. Jesus had compassion. And he wanted John to know in his heart that he was the one. So I just thought that was so good for us to know. This is God's heart to us. And sometimes he does it directly. Sometimes he uses scripture. Sometimes he uses community. But God's heart to us is to encourage us in our heart. 
The other one I wanted just to look at briefly um, is in 1 Kings 19, uh, 1 to 8. And we pick up the story of Elijah, and it's right after he has been a part of witnessing God's glory and power in basically bringing fire down to display that he is the true God. If it's God versus Baal, and the, the contest was who can eat up and burn up the altar just by direct fire. And, you know, the, you, you, it's a pretty dramatic story. You, you read it and it's like, whoa, this is a, an incredible expression of God's power. And in the end, the prophets of Baal, they are calling on their God, small g, and nothing happened. And they went to some pretty incredible lengths to try to call down or get Baal to do something. And Elijah steps up to the plate and he asks the people to start putting water on the, the altar, dig a trench, a moat around the altar, fill it with water. In the end, if you've read the story, it's pretty powerful. It's not just the altar, the, the sacrifice, but the whole altar is burned up. That's pretty powerful, pretty dramatic. So Elijah is part of this. He witnesses this. And then the powers that be, politically, they find out about it. And they're not too happy because they want Baal to be represented to the people. So this is where we pick up the story in 1 Kings uh, 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods, small g, do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Pretty substantial threat and they've got the, the means to do it. Um, then he was afraid and he rose and he ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came uh, and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under that broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he took, or he looked, and behold, there was a, at his head a cake baked on the hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, uh, the Mount of God. It seems like it's a bit of a Lembus bread kind of scenario. You know, you know, that's a Tolkien representation of the bread that a little bit of bread goes a long way, right? This is an incredible story. But this example is a little different, where God provides sustenance, encourages the heart, and knows that when we are exhausted, we need to rest. We need to, there's some self-care that needs to happen. We need to feed ourselves. And in this case, just God did it directly. Pretty incredible. But we all find ourselves sometimes in discouraging situations. Discouragement grips us all, and whether part of the solution is self-care, soul care, or caring for others, God has a solution for this, and we have stories of how this was done and the powerful impact it had on the church community. Uh, one particular story that I, that I found is, um, comes out of the New Testament, so I just want to take a look at that for the next few minutes, and it's the story of Barnabas. 
And I didn't really know a lot about Barnabas until I started looking into this. And the more I looked at the story of Barnabas, I'm like, this guy is quality. And I began to realize the layers uh, and how much of an encouragement um, he, he was to the church. And um, so uh, before we get that, though, I just, just highlight this verse. And I think this is God's heart to us in these times. Uh, Psalm 103, 13 to 14, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. He gets it. And he doesn't leave us there. He brings support and uh, encouragement. So we pick up this story um, of Barnabas. And um, we're first introduced uh, to Barnabas in Acts um, 4, and um, 36 to 37. And here we see Barnabas. He's introduced as this person. His, his, his given name is uh, Joseph, but he's known, and it specifically says he's known by the apostles as um, Barnabas. So Joseph is his given name, but he gets this nickname or name from his, his peers, his group, as Barnabas. So it says here in 36, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which literally means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So obviously there's a bit of backstory here. In order for him to get that name, son of encouragement, obviously he's been doing stuff for part of the community where he's been given that name. So in your church here, um, as you encourage each other, you figure out, well, that person, they are like, they are encouragement, like <laughs> pretty amazing. And they do it in different ways. You can do it in different ways. We all have this uh, ability or a responsibility to look for ways to keep our congregation, our family built up in the Lord. And this specific way um, Barnabas gave encouragement through generosity. So a couple chapters before this, we see in Acts, the church kind of explodes. And it says a few chapters before this that there were 3,000 people added to their number in a day and baptized. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of good stuff going on. And Barnabas saw this and he also probably recognized the needs that come with so much stuff, so, many act, so much activity happening. And I, I mentioned this in the first service, I couldn't imagine 3,000, just 3,000 people showing up to camp. I couldn't imagine. All, all the, the, the resources that would be needed to feed, <laughs> to help, because with that also comes um, brokenness and hurt. And, and there's good stuff going on, but it requires resources. So obviously Barnabas, saw the need. And he's like, I've got means. I'm going to sell this field because God's putting it on my heart and I want to give to keep the momentum going in this ministry. What a blessing. What an amazing blessing. And I know that when I see generosity at camp, it's meeting the need, but I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged to keep going. And I'm sure that's part of your life as well. Um, I remember I had uh, knee surgery uh, years ago, and um, I was stuck in the hospital for um, a, a while because I had knee surgery, and then I got home, and then I had a staph infection, so I was back in the hospital for two weeks, and I was kind of sidelined, and I was like, oh man, this is a 
Not what I expected. You know, what a bummer. And it was summer and, you know, good time of year to be outdoors and I'm staring at a wall. And I remember people from my church coming and I remember it to this day. And uh, one of them came to camp to drive both the summer and I told him that story because I never told him how much of an encouragement he was to me in those two weeks. Um, and it was, it was a breath of fresh air. And uh, so, in all this, where is God bringing clarity to you? Are there people in your life, in the church community, that need encouragement? Maybe some meals, maybe a lending helping hand. You've got skills. Where can they be used in terms of giving back to your community? Drawing people into the body of Christ to get stuff done and to show them who Jesus really is. Uh, the next part of the story we pick up on is radical community. And this is really, it really struck me. So we, we pick up again later on in Acts, Barnabas's name comes up again. And here's the context. Saul, so Paul, previously known as Saul, was a, was a Pharisee, the highest kind of in his order, religious leaders. The account before um, this is he is, uh, he gave the, the go ahead to execute Stephen. Incredible story of Stephen's faithfulness. Um, direct persecution to the church. It, it really seemed like Paul or Saul had a direct motive to stamp out the early church believers of Jesus. And he was taking every means necessary in order to make that happen. And then he has this dramatic encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He meets Jesus, Saul does, radically changed. Saul, given the name Paul, now starts preaching Jesus. And he wants to go back and hang, start hanging out with the apostles, with the disciples, because those are his people now. <laughs> but you can start to imagine what the disciples might be thinking. Like, is this real? This guy was just, he just stoned Stephen a few chapters before, a couple months before. Doesn't say exactly when that was, but it was recent. Is Paul just really subtly trying to capture us and throw us in prison. So you can imagine, begin to imagine some of the fear that might be happening in the disciples' lives. And so Barnabas steps in, and he is the conduit. He sticks his neck out for Saul and Paul. And he says, I'm going to walk alongside you, and I'm going to be the platform for you to come into the church. And I'm going to be a, an advocate. I'm going to vouch for you. And uh, so picking up in chapter 9 here, it says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, so Paul, he attempted the, to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Fair enough. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. It took Barnabas as the person reaching out putting his reputation on the line, maybe. But in his community, going against the flow. And it probably wasn't a very popular conversation at the beginning with the disciples, the apostles. I don't know how Barnabas approached it, but he says he declared it. There was a, a, there was a de declaration, right, in, in some of these things of how um, Paul had been preaching boldly. So sometimes... Radical community 
can be an incredible thing, but it takes courage for us to bring people in that may not be popular. There might be fear. There might be past experience, whatever that looks like. The third thing is personal mentorship. And um, again, another exciting, exciting story uh, of Barnabas recognizing an opportunity to um, just encourage, mentor. And this context is where um, Barnabas and Paul had been on several missionary journeys. One of the people that had come along with them was John Mark, who was also related to Barnabas. And something went bad or poorly, and John Mark left um, in the middle of one of their journeys and, uh, and abandoned them. And some of the language is abandoned them or, or left or whatever. So we pick up the story where uh, Paul and Barnabas, they want to go and, and visit the churches. So here in um, Acts 15, 36 to 41, it says, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they were separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers um, to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So there is a difference of opinion. That is definitely part of the story that's expressed. Paul had a great idea. Hey, let's go and encourage all these churches. Barnabas is like, great. Hey, let's bring John Mark. This is a great opportunity for us to bring him back in because there's potential there. Maybe that's how Barnabas was feeling. We don't know exactly, but he was motivated enough to suggest John Mark. And I could see where Paul is like, ooh, wasn't so good of an experience last time, Barnabas. All that distraction, John Mark had to go home, chose to go home, sideways energy, loss of time. We don't have time to do this kind of thing. You know, people need to be with the Lord, strength, strong enough to go for it, right? So I could see where in Paul's opinion or idea, it's too much of a risk to bring John Mark back. And Barnabas is like, yeah, but he's come so far. He's good. If we just walk alongside him, I think he's going to be okay. So you could see the value of both. And in the end, it just seemed like it was just a difference of opinion, values, different values, and they parted ways. And we don't pick up on the story until later. And we see in Colossians 4.10, this bright spot where we see Paul's opinion of John Mark has changed quite dramatically. So um, we pick that up in, in Colossians 4 verse 10. And Paul is in prison, and, um, and he's addressing the church in, um, in, in uh, Colossia there, and he's just giving final instructions. And uh, in, in Colossians 4.10, it says, oh, we get a glimpse of John Mark once again, and it appears as though Paul's opinion of him has changed. Paul is now in prison and is giving final instructions to the Colossian church. So verse 10 says, um, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, so this is Paul uh, saying this, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. 
welcome him. So there's been some kind of change over this time period, letting Paul see that John Mark, he's back in the game. He has been um, faithful and uh, to the ministry that he's been called to. And there's John Mark's credibility and worth as someone serving the church has been restored in Paul's mind. John Mark's story could have been very different if Barnabas hadn't walked alongside John Mark, mentoring and providing support and seeing restoration. We all need second chances, third chances. In my own life, you know, in my early 20s, I remember distinctly having a, faith, a crisis of faith for a season in my life. And ironically, it was after Bible school, and certain circumstances in my life made me start to really question. And my parents encouraged me to reach out to someone in our church, and uh, I was like, ah, oh, whatever. But eventually, I'm like, okay, I know my parents will they'll stop talking about this. So I went. And four years later, this person had walked with me, and in a heart's perspective, they had walked with me and taught me scriptures along the way and just mentored me. And it was so life-changing. And um, we all have those moments where we can walk alongside someone, if it's a short season or a long season, uh, and be ministered to, right? It's both. So Barnabas um, took the, the opportunity, and it was important enough on his heart to say, I think we need to part ways, Paul, and bless you. I hope that's kind of how they parted, but, but in the end, God worked it out, and there was some amazing things that had happened. But John Mark could have been in a very different place um, if someone hadn't brought him back in and, and given him a platform of ministry. Um, so I just want to take a few moments now, and uh, just I want you to just, to just stop and to think and bring your heart, your life before the Lord, your opportunities, your week. Um, on the way in, I think you were probably given a little piece of paper at camp, we call them campograms, and I thought it'd be a, a really appropriate way for us to provide an opportunity for you. You don't have to use it, but if God is putting something on your heart to encourage someone, uh, to write them a, a note of encouragement, a verse, um, something that you've seen in them to build them up, I wanted to provide a, a direct opportunity for you to do that. So I think there's pens, or maybe they, all, they gave you the pencil, you got the golf pencil there, oh yeah, you got it, awesome. But it could be something else. Maybe God's bringing to your heart someone that is in need in a different way. And uh, so I just, I know our, our schedules, it can be so busy. And we think of that person and then we're out of here and we're like, oh yeah, we need to talk to that person, call that person, my family member. And then before you know it, four months later, you're like, oh, shoot. So I would ask that you take this opportunity to just do it. Write that note, put it in your little, time, schedule, watch, or you know, crazy things these days with, with uh, devices. But remind yourself, or just do it today. And we're gonna watch uh, a closing video, a song by Toby Mac, uh, a really amazing singer-songwriter, Christian artist, about speaking life uh, and the power that, that God can use in that. So anyway, blessings on you guys.